Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. And on tonight's episode, this is going to be a weekly series from now all the way through till the college season. Maybe we'll even extend it through the majority of the pre-draft process as well from the end of the college season. I have with me Mr. Backcourt TV, Tyler Rucker, going to be joining me every single week as we recap essentially what happened in the packed week of college hoops, and then we'll sort of do a little bit of preview on some of the games and in action to come with some of the top prospects as well. But right now we're in preview mode. We got four preview episodes lined up before the season starts to go over some of the bigger names in the 2022 NBA draft class. Tyler, how are you doing, my man? First of all, welcome. I, I've been I've been searching so long for like, like a little bit of a, a co-host to bring back, and at least I get I get you once a week, my friend. Well, I'll I'll figure out the other episodes on my end, but I'm glad to have you in, and I'm really excited for what we're going to be doing this year. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm I'm exactly what you just said. I'm I'm excited for what we're going to be doing. I think this is going to be a fun feature, you know, throughout the year to kind of update everyone of the progression of draft prospects and uh you know I've had so much fun coming on draft deeper before so why not let's make this a, a normal thing you know let's let's get after it so well, thanks for having it, me it is going to be a normal thing and we have plenty of announcements coming on the pipeline you sir have already done a great job teasing a few things on your social media account mm-hmm. I, I i need to, i need to do something i need to figure out a teaser i'm just not creative man I'm sorry, it's just not it's not my alley, but but you 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 definitely do a good job with it. But um, with that being said, let's hop right into it. So 2022 yeah. NBA draft, first show I'm doing on this draft class. I gotta admit, I'm not as excited hopping into some of these guys initially right away because you and I are both in agreement. We're not big on the whole high school film thing. You know, I'm I'm not big on the, the the grainy ball is life footage all the time, watching just the highlights. You and I like to really evaluate that full game tape. And it'll be really interesting when we get to previewing some of the international guys. That we have a little bit more tape on some of those guys. Um, but right now it's it's mainly any kind of full games you can find. The good news is with guys like Chet Holmgren, Jaden Hardy, I already seen a few full games of those guys. I'd watched them on ESPN last year. So I feel like some of them I have a little bit better of a feel for, but the guy we're going to start with Paolo Bencaro, I, I only saw one game of his and then the rest, I was able to see um, some highlights, but there are some things that definitely stand out to me. So obviously 610 forward going to do 250 pounds. He, I believe that listed weight. He is every bit of that 250 pounds. That man has tree trunks for legs. He is not going to let anybody push him around. But with that being said, it's, it's really weird because he, he seems like he has that game where he he's more of, he wants to play more of like a power forward, small forward combination, like a four, three, but he's really built and moves more like a four, five. So he has mismatched size and length. He has a lot of great strength, especially in his lower body. Like I talked about, but he's a little, little heavy footed in times and how he moves laterally, how he creates space for himself. I wouldn't say he has a great handle. He has a good enough handle, good enough dribble moves to him. Um, but really where I think his game could stand to take a step forward. Obviously, he's a he's an awesome guy when he's getting downhill, right? 
He's a really good downhill force, strong, but he doesn't go to that a lot. And we were already talking about that in a group chat we were in about how he wants to settle for a lot of these jump shots. And he, he, it seems like he thinks he's Jason Tatum or Michael Porter Jr., but he doesn't necessarily have that level of shot-making ability to him. At least I don't think so yet. I don't think he's going to be that efficient of a jump shooter. I would like to see him mix in a little more, go into the basket, getting downhill. But well, what are some of your initial thoughts on, on Paolo Vancaro's game, Tyler? Where, where do you kind of see him in your initial thoughts and what he might be able to be for Duke this year? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see. I think he's probably one of the top guys that could probably give Chet uh, Holmgren a, a run for number one pick, you know. Um, Paolo, I, I just you don't see those type of combination with the height and the weight. I mean, and, and like you said, he is every bit of 250 pounds. I mean, there's, <laughs> that might be light, you know what I'm saying is he might yeah. be bigger than that, but um, it, it's impressive. The tools he has, I'm curious to see, you know, obviously we want to see if the outside shot is consistent this year. You know, there's yeah. a lot that when you watch him, briefly on tape and as you hinted before i don't love to watch high school tape just because it gets to a point where it's like okay i can tell this guy is dominant on the high school level <laughs> now let's let's get to the college level some better athletes and some the next level of competition so you know i just want to see what he can do on both sides of the ball um you got that size can you become a versatile defensive weapon can you um show some consistency from the outside, is he going to fall in love with the outside shot? Is he going to have the understanding of when to go inside and dominate or when to space the floor and make defenses respect him? So I think, you know, as of right now, he's probably right up there with Chet for me. I think that's one of the guys I think that if he could show some signs early in the year, you know, we might be talking about him as a potential number one pick right with Chet Holmgren. So there's two things that stick out to me, two things I wrote down questions about, and they kind of hit on some of the points that you just made. So first, we'll, we'll start with my offensive question. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned, will he fall in love too much with the outside shot? My question is, everything he seems to do, at least on the high school tape that I saw, he wants to step into every jump shot he takes. He wants to create it off the bounce. What, what does his catch-and-shoot game really look like? Is he going to be a capable catch-and-shoot guy? Um, and really that ties into what kind of a threat can he be, not just out of pick and roll, but pick and pop. And there's two things that I can never seem to evaluate correctly at the high school level. It's how good of a screen setter is a forward or a big man. And then how exactly do some of his defensive traits translate as well? Um, but I'll start with a jump shot. You've seen enough of it, Tyler. I know even just going off of highlights, but we can kind of see what the form's going to look like. What do you think about the jumper? Do you think that he seems like one of those guys that's going to almost exclusively live creating off the dribble, or do you think there's something about the mechanics that you've seen where you think he can translate, be more of a threat off the catch for Duke, someone who can be reliable knocking down stationary shots? Maybe that's a point of his game that you could point to and say, yeah, we didn't get to see that in high school, but this is something that's translating in college. This is an absolutely attractive selling point in the pros. I think, you know, there's going to be plenty of Tatum, you know, Jason Tatum comparisons because he does have that similar sort of, you know, load up where it's like, okay, it's a, it's a little slow gathering, but yep. he's still 6'10 with his size. So, um you know, I just kind of want to see the mentality he's going to have. You kind of hinted about it. You know, 
you can only see so much in high school when you can tell a guy's pulling up from deep and stuff like that. But it's, are you going to fall in love with that? And, you know, if you can't beat someone off the dribble, are you just going to be like, okay, I'm just going to jack up a bunch of threes from outside? Or is he going to use it as a tool to create the rest of his versatility offensively? Like use the rest of his package to put the ball on the floor, maybe get after it in the mid range, attack the basket. That's what I want to see from guys when they're going from high school to, you know, the college level, because we know what you can do offensively when it comes to overpowering smaller opponents. Like we know you could probably settle for shots, but can you now, when it's going to the next talent level, can you use that weapon, that threat of being an outside shooter to create the rest of your game and make your life a little bit easier? I think that's what I want to see with this outside shot. Does he fall in love with it? And depend on it, or does he use it of like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make one in the beginning of the game to make the defense come out, and then I'm gonna go to work for the rest, you know, the rest of the game because they're thinking in their head he could hit that shot. So I think the mentality is what I want to see from guys like that in the beginning of the year. Yeah, and I, I think it, it comes back. That's a great point about his mentality and his approach to the game. Does he think that he's a wing? Does he truly believe that he's a wing, or will he come around maybe trying to? incorporate more inside elements to his game because I do think that's where he's going to be served best. I think he's a stretch four. He's not a true wing. I don't see him in the same class as somebody like a Jason Tatum who right. I, I, I think he, agree. Yeah. He, he slides up now for the Boston Celtics a lot, I think because of his defensive versatility. You know, he can keep up with a lot of the perimeter guys a lot more easily than somebody like a Ben Caro, I think, will in time. And then he can step up. Obviously he can hang with those fours a little bit. And then obviously offensively that gives you a lot more versatility with everything else you have on the wing and then in the backcourt. But I don't see Ben Carroll in that same mold. And even with Michael Porter Jr., the reason why Michael Porter Jr., I I think the Nuggets have found that he works a lot better as a four-man than a three-man. But even when it's worked for him as a three-man offensively in the NBA, it's because he is that smooth of a shot creator. He has every single trick in the book when it comes to actually setting himself up and then creating a jump shot. And, his mechanics too are just much smoother off the bounce. And I think Ben Carroll, you mentioned a load up. It is a little slow. Michael Porter Jr. Shot it. it. It's one of the best shots in the entire NBA, his shot profile, where he's able to make shots from and how efficient he is on those looks, his shot profile and synergies, like really only comparable to somebody like Kevin Durant. So that's the level of uniqueness. I don't think that Ben Carroll has to his game and we'll see, as you said, the mindset, the approach that he takes offensively, defensively, I'll read you off the the note that I put together in the question. So really, I put defensively, can he protect the rim? So he seems to gamble a lot when he tries to defend in space away from the basket or guard one-on-one on the perimeter. He's competitive and balanced as a defender. So like when he is one-on-one, it's difficult for guys to finish over or through him. But lateral limitations and the tendency to gamble on steals that, that lets craftier guards and wings get around him. So I'm not as confident in his perimeter defense either. And that's why I think he'd be much better trying to maybe hang around a big or or hang around the rim. But if he's going to stay back in different coverages, can he actually protect the rim? Um, I I know that it's tough, like I said, to pick out pieces to his game defensively. So I won't necessarily ask you a question about what you've seen from him defensively, but just knowing what Duke Duke likes to do, how do you think his defense will translate at Duke, what have you seen to kind of give you um, positive expectations or, or maybe you do have some doubts like I do? Yeah, I mean, I mean, 
you you pointed it out. He he can gamble a little bit, and I think that you can gamble in high school and get away with it. You yeah. know, off of athleticism and talent, and you know, there's only so many coaches that are going to come out and be like, okay, you, you know, you're you're being lazy on defense. Get off the floor. Well, it's like, well, I, I'm also scoring 35 for us, so you you kind of have to weigh the decision. But Duke's probably going to have some good tools around him. You know. Um, Williams, Mark Williams is a big guy. I, I, he's going to yep. be probably right next to him. He's got some big size. So I just want to see what he can do. If Can he lock in? And, you know, he's going to be tested early on. You know, they're going to have a couple tough opponents to start the year. And I just want to see, can he lock in and answer some questions that we have? Can he guard multiple positions? Can he be an intelligent, you know, I don't need him to go out and block three shots a game. I just need him to look like a guy that's like, okay, he can stick on the defensive side of the ball. If can he be efficient offensively, then all of a sudden you have a whole another discussion about, okay, this guy looks to be the real deal that can get after it both sides of the ball. So I think just, you know, I think Duke's supposed to play Gonzaga early in the year. I think around Thanksgiving, that's going to be just, everyone's going to have their eyes glued to that game. So we're going to find out quickly. You know, if, is he going to stick out and be a problem defensively, or is he going to make an impact? I think that's we're going to know right away, and that's what's so exciting. And it's going to be fun to compare the beginning of the year to how he progresses throughout. But um, they're going to have plenty of tools around him, and I'm just I'm just excited to watch him because, like we've said before, the, the tools are freakish and the size is freakish. So if he can just put it together and show us the consistency. I mean, he's going to be a He's going to be in the running. You know, he's going to be running for the first pick. In theory, a two-way forward who is 6'10", 250 pounds, can hit shots from all three levels and can potentially defend multiple positions, maybe protect the rim a little bit, and be a double-double threat on both ends. I mean, that that's the type of player, in theory, you would want to project to be the number one overall pick. I was actually listening to Chad Ford's podcast that he just did with Jeremy Wu today, and Jeremy came on and said that he – is already projecting Paolo number one for Sports Illustrated because he thinks that everything he's heard, everything he's seen, he thinks Paolo would be the safe pick for number one at this point. There's the the fewest holes. You'd be taking the the least amount of gambles and risks with somebody like Paolo as opposed to the next guy that we're going to be talking about. And I can already tell our chemistry is is off to a great start, Tyler. You knew where I was going. You mentioned the November 29th game against Gonzaga that Duke has, and you figure Duke will be playing Mark Williams next to Paolo in the front court. Um, Gonzaga is going to be playing Drew Timmy next to Chad Holmgren in the front right. court. So if, if, if Duke especially is playing more man to man, possibly in the past than mixing in a lot of zone, you would think that Paolo and Chad are going to be matched up one-on-one against each other. I think that's, that's what everybody wants to see. And Chet could give somebody like Paolo problems because, Chet's very unique, seven foot, only 190 pounds. We'll get into his body. We'll get into some of the risks with, with that, obviously, at some point in the discussion. But he does have some capability to him as far as facing somebody up, taking his man off the dribble, and being able to pull up and hit one of those shots. Like He's going to get Paolo off balance, and I will really want to see how Paolo responds to a defensive challenge like that because Chet's going to look at Paolo and be like, I've heard all this talk about how you're supposed to be the number one pick. I don't give a shit. I'm going to come out and I'm going to try to body you up as much as I possibly can because that's just the kind of motor 
the grit, the toughness that Chet plays with. I've seen I, I've seen the most of Chet's games than anybody that we're talking about today. I think I've seen like three games already from Chet. And you can just uh, – high school games, I should say, apart from the stuff I've seen from Team USA. So I've actually seen Chet quite a bit. He is the most competitive player, I think, in this entire draft class. And I think he might actually come out and, and eat Paolo's lunch a little bit in that first matchup in, in Vegas. We'll see how Paolo responds. But, yeah, he plays with a fantastic motor. He runs hard up and down the floor constantly, stays active on possessions, always looking to keep himself involved on both ends. We can go to his defensive game. He is an elite shot blocker and rim protector. We have questions about can Paolo bring that dimension to Duke's defense and ultimately to a defense in the NBA. We have zero questions about that with Chet. He has some of the best timing and anticipation protecting the rim I think I've ever seen in a prospect. I mean, at least to up to this point, like it, I don't think Anthony Davis had a ton of that in high school before he got to college. He improved. That's a people don't understand how much he improved leaps and bounds as a defender in college um, with John Calipari. But Chet already has a lot of that right now getting to Gonzaga. And Mark Few is a really good defensive coach. I'll be really intrigued to see how much Chet can grow, even on the defensive end um, at Gonzaga. But yeah, there's just so much to his game. He's a capable passer, short role playmaker. Like I said, he can face up, take his man off the dribble, surprisingly capable pull-up mid-range shooter off the bounce. He can make a set three-point shot. The thing with Chet is I question, other than a lot of the body stuff and the physical stuff, which I'll let you touch on, Tyler, but I question mm -hmm. how much of a high-volume offensive player can he be. How, how many shots do you really want Chet taking per game? Where do you want him taking those shots? He's another guy who, at his size, he shouldn't be settling as much from the perimeter, kind of like what he did with Team USA um, in, in, the, in the FIBA games this past summer. He did settle a lot for some of those mid-range or longer three-point shots, and he got himself out of his own offensive game. He got himself out of his head a little bit. He looked a little lost out there when he was taking too many jump shots. You have Drew Timmy down there already down low next to him. So is Chet going to try to force too much from the perimeter? How do you see his offensive game evolving at, at Gonzaga? What are some of your first impressions about Chet overall, Tyler? Well, Chet's probably going to be one of these prospects that, you know, me personally, um, he's giving me the most headaches. And what I mean by that <laughs> is every time he steps on the floor, I want to not like be sold. I don't know why. It's just this feeling I have in my brain where I'm like, he's too skinny. That's the first thing I say. I'm like, there's no way he's yeah. too skinny. I don't care how tall he is. He's too skinny. Just because it doesn't like he's seven one one ninety. That's what he's listed at. I, there's no way he's one ninety. Like I'm convinced he's not one ninety. I, I swear I'm gonna go. I'm gonna oh, go man. down. Like I needed to see it the scale myself. But being serious for a second, what I'm getting at is every time I watch him he shocks me and I'm impressed mm -hmm. and I'm taken away by what he can do. And there's just some weird world where I'm like, this is going to work. And it, the talent is so special, especially when you're talking about shot blocking. I mean, he is gifted defensively. And I think that's something that even though he's got that thin frame, the timing, the anticipation, what he can do with his length, I think, um, the latest article was Mike Schmitz and Gavoni. They had him saying he's over seven, five wingspan. So that's what makes him special. Now getting to your point about offense, I think Gonzaga is going to be great for him because his outside shots, beautiful. 
I mean, we've all seen it. Even with Team USA, he's got a smooth stroke for someone that size. And he can also put it on the floor a little bit. You know, obviously he's going to have to watch out with that because now quicker guards are, you know, he's going yeah. from high school to college. Guys are going to jump all over it. But he's just smooth. And I think playing with Gonzaga, playing with a guy like Timmy, picking their minds, his competitiveness, I, I just think he's going to be able to figure out a nice balance between the two. Because he's a guy that doesn't need to live by the three ball. Like, he can get hot from outside but I think he's kind of one of those like I'm gonna hit two from outside and then I'm gonna have you second guessing everything I'm gonna do and then he could put it down and pull up if he wants so I'm really excited to watch him just because like I said he's been giving me nightmares but we're talking about that first game like with with Duke and Gonzaga that I mean that is everything you want from a potential showdown between two draft prospects you know, Paulo's going to be circling that game for the last month, and he's that's his moment to show everyone. Well, Paulo's going to be circling it. Chet's going to put like a triple circle around it. But, <laughs> but um, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be like length and feel and, and desire against just strength. So it's going to be so fascinating because just the course of the game, they could dominate each other in so many different ways. It's going to be fantastic. But um, what are you thinking about Chet? I mean, how are, I haven't even asked you your opinion. Are you are you in love with the I'm first in. overall? Yeah, yeah, you're in? Uh, well, I don't know about first overall. I think first Oh, okay, here we go. Actually, first overall <laughs> might be reserved for the next guy we're going to talk about. I, um, I have a feeling I'm going to feel very similar about that. So, but, um, but before I really dug into some of the film on the next guy that we'll talk about, Chet mm -hmm. was my number one over Paolo. I'm a lot more comfortable with Chet's game. I'm more comfortable with how it translates. The thing that everybody wants to point to about the physical stuff, it's it's unlikely, like it's not the same as somebody like Pokushevsky, who Poku literally looks like he hasn't eaten anything for like weeks on end in his life. Mm -hmm. Chet is naturally skinny, but there's just something about how he plays the game where he makes up for it. He makes up for his size because it doesn't matter if somebody pushes him around or he gets knocked down. Like, he's going to get back up on the next possession. He has that, like, Giannis-like quality to him. Where, mm -hmm. like, he, it doesn't matter how many times he fails, he's going to come back and he's going to try to do it on the next one, the next one, the next one. Eventually, he's going to make it work, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what really sets him apart is that nastiness quality to him that I don't think other guys who we worry about, their build, their frame – those other guys don't always have that. But also, like, people want to point to his frame. They think he's going to have a lot of these injury concerns. People his size generally just don't stay healthy all the time. But it's like he hasn't had any injury concerns, at least none none that I can really go back to and point to and say, well, this is evidence that this guy is going to get hurt a bunch. Like, I, I don't – I haven't seen any evidence of him having foot problems or, or back problems or, like, anything like that. So, like, every now and then we see these very unique cases of big men who can just – for whatever reason, their body's just built the correct way for that size, and they just they seem to be able to stay healthy and, and, and fight through adversity. So I'm not going to rule him out as to being one of those guys. And we're talking about, like, if he is healthy, he's one of the most unique players we've, we've ever come across. I mean, who's the comparison for him? Porzingis? Like, yeah, I, I guess, but I think he's tougher up here than Porzingis was at the same age. Yeah, and I think he, I think he moves his feet better. I think he's mm -hmm. a much, much more natural mover. Then Porzingis was. That's something that gave a lot of people concerns with him. 
Um, I think Porzingis is probably a better pure shooter, but I also think that this kid, at least coming into the NBA, this kid is light years ahead of where Porzingis was defensively when he first came into the NBA. So there, there, there's some ways to, to balance that out. And I also think that um, Holmgren's a lot much more willing of a passer as well. And that's something that Porzingis isn't either. We've seen it in the NBA now for years when that guy catches it, doesn't matter how many feet he is behind the three-point line. That guy believes he can literally make every shot he looks at. He's just going to jack it up. Like Chet will at least survey the landscape for a second, and he'll look to see, is it a better decision to put the ball on the floor? And if I'm, if I'm in the position where I put the ball on the floor, take a few dribbles, is my next pass there? He's willing to make that next pass. You don't really see a lot of that type of stuff from Porzingis. So like, I, I think that there is a world where Chet can be a better prospect than Porzingis. And like, if that's the case, how is this guy not the number one overall pick? But, I mean, it's definitely a debate that can be had. I'm much more comfortable with the third guy on my list. But, like, for you, like, between, between Chet and Paolo, at the very least, like, where, where are you at, Tyler? I, I'm assuming you're more comfortable taking Paolo, or have I swung you around a little bit to the Chet Holmgren side? I would say, because I'm, I'm a big I've just always been a big like. Let me get a couple months into the season before. Well, yeah, it's but, it's, it's it's preseason. We're we're talking about our saying, asses yeah. right now. I'm I'm, I'm blowing I'm, smoke out of every orifice. In my I'm body turning possible, a new but. leaf this year, so I'm I'm trying to get a little like educated before. But I would say two weeks ago I was big on the Palo. Like I was, and then I just kept watching Chet, and every time, like I'm saying, he just does something new. Whether it's like you said, like. He's a willing passer. He's got better vision. He doesn't freak out. Like, he just does a little bit of everything sometimes that I'm like, okay, I'm sold. I like that. Like, check a box off. Check a box off. And an interesting point is, like, I've been one of his harshest critics about the frame. And I just, because you brought this up, I wanted to highlight it. If his frame holds up this entire year and he doesn't miss an extended amount of time, like, I'm checking that. That is a big checkbox because... Everyone's going to go at him. Every bigger guy is going to be like, look at this skinny guy. I'm attacking him in the post. And he's going to beat a lot of guys. So if if his frame can hold up throughout the whole year, yeah, we should check that off and not worry about it. Because like you said, Giannis, other guys like that, it just works out. The, The frame holds up. And yeah, he's skinny. He needs to eat. I, I want him to take him out to a steak dinner just so I can watch him like build some build some weight. You're but, on you're um, on the West Coast, man. Go go get the go. I'm about try to go up there. Yeah, offer I'm, him a I'm meal. Be like, Mark, come on, take this guy out for a nice steak. Let's go. But and then after you take him out for the steak dinner, then get him to go on the scale and then see yeah, for exactly, yourself. There you go. Exactly. But um, no, I, I think I'm leaning towards Chet. But I will say, I think who we're about to talk about, that's probably someone I'm very, very circling the wagons about. So I'll leave it at that. So that this kid, Jaden Hardy, oh. good, good, good grief. And and we are our, our good friends, Corey and Albert, aptly titled their draft act podcast, Hard On for Hardy. Yeah, that and was pretty nice. I, I, I couldn't love it anymore because I I I feel the same way. I'm I'm trying to like find where I could disagree about anything that they talked about, but my, my first note, no weaknesses in his game from a shot making perspective. He can hit any jumper you want from any distance, any angle. And one thing that I've definitely talked about, I know that you're a fan of this as well, Tyler, that when, when you talk about the make on the jump shot, is it rattling around the rim all the time? Is it a hard make? 
this dude is just splash makes no matter what shot he's taking every single time. Perfect arc, perfect touch, the most lethal scorer in the entire 2022 draft class. He can finish off the bounce. He can confer layups against bigger and tougher defenders. He has the handle to shake his man and create space virtually whenever he wants. He has footwork off of different spins and, and different moves with either hand. He's an ambidextrous finisher. He's not an elite athlete, but that dribble craft he has to his game, his footwork, that will carry him through his time as a pro. And really, he has that it factor about him as a scorer. He plays with that flair, that pizzazz. He's the most, I think he's the most box office player we have in this draft class, which is why it's it's perfect. He's going to G League Ignite. I think he definitely fits that mold perfectly. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to be the next Jalen Green type of player to, to come out. He has that showman type quality to him I, I i god i love watching this guy score the basketball and i think that this he he is one of those guys you can just immediately point to just like jalen green like this guy's gonna come out he's gonna have a chance to score 20 points per game in his rookie year like he is that polish and by the way he's not small he's listed mm-hmm. at 6'4 190 i've seen some other places list him at 6'5 i'll be curious to get the official measurements on him and maybe if he is 6'4 he's still so young maybe he can go to like a 6'5 but like he's not like you, you watch him on like a high school game or high school film and you think that he looks like six two, six three out there, but then when the camera actually zooms up on him, he he is bigger than he's given credit for. He's got a pretty nice build to him already as a guard. I, I he has that type of frame where he's only going to continue to add bulk, so he's going to get stronger. I it's weird. I, I could see him. He His body type reminds me of what John Walls was a little bit come, coming out of high school and then in college. And we've seen what John Wall has become physically as a guard. Like now he gets to the point where it doesn't matter who's trying to challenge him. If he goes inside, he's generally winning that battle. I can see Jaden Hardy adding a lot onto his frame the same way. So we've laid out so many great qualities to him. I mean, really, my questions for him are the same questions that I think anybody else would have at this point. Like, I I don't know if he has the awareness and the communication skills of a team defender and someone who will excel defending off the ball on a perimeter. He seems like a competitive one-on-one guy, but how good of a team defender will he be? And then in turn, will a lot of that communication, will a lot of those setup type skills affect his offensive game as well? Is he going to be a guy who can learn how to make the simple pass like, I've talked about with Jalen Green last year. I've, I've talked about how I think Jalen Green can get to a point where like Jason Tatum has gotten to where you see him as like this exclusive scorer, but Jason Tatum has at least been able to make the simple read off of different decisions. And you look up in one game, he might have like six or seven assists. Like I can see Jalen Green walking into that kind of a stat line the same way. He's not flinging everything across the court. He's not doing anything spectacular. He's not doing that crazy Lamella ball pass we saw the other night where he just like flung it from out of bounds and just found his man perfectly. Like I don't see him or or Hardy getting to that level either, but can Hardy just make the simple decisions to keep the ball moving? I think that's something that I think will improve being in the G League. That was something that you could tell they preached with Jalen Green last year. I can see Hardy making the same improvements, but I've done a lot of talking. Tyler, what are your It's easy with Hardy. I get it. It's It's Hardy. It's so easy to just rack up all the positives. But how do you feel about Jaden Hardy? I've laid out all the things about why I think that I would be very comfortable taking him with number one pick right now. How do you feel about him and your thoughts? I I think I'm going to end up having him number one. And um, it's crazy to say, but 
I watch him and I'm just like jaw. I've already gotten laughed off of draft Twitter saying that. Like, oh, well, why, why is this kid not going to be in the number one race? Like, yeah, you, you got to stick to your there. guns. You got he's it. Right. Right. Um, so I have a quick, I'll have a fun story real quick for some background. Um, about a month ago, I was, you know, talking to someone within the industry that works with scouting and stuff. And I respect his opinion. He's got a great eye for talent. And we were going through all the prospects. I was like, Hey, what do you feel? How do you feel about this guy? What do you feel about Chet? You know, and everything was good. He liked the guys. And then I, I brought up Hardy and his eyes just lit up and he was like, Oh my gosh. And he, yeah. and he just looked at me and he said, Bradley Beal. And I went, Whoa. And he's like, go home and watch him as much as you possibly can. He's just like, that kid has it. And I did. I went home and watched him. I did the Corey and Albert. We did the podcast and we kind of broke down some of the guys. And Corey had a funny a quote and I agreed with it. You know, you watch some games and you're like, is he going to hit the rim ever? Like, it, it seemed like every shot was right in the middle of the net. And there was some shots he's making where it's like, one, how did he get that off? Two, how did he even potentially see the basket to get close enough? Cause he's just double teamed, like on the move, quick release, just middle of the net. And the step back one legged oh. jumpers as a guard from three point range. Like, and it's like you said, he's got, he's not small. He's got size. Now yeah. I personally think the G league ignite was the perfect decision for him because yep. now we're going to be able to see, you know, like you said, with Jalen green, now he's going to go play against, you know, all respect to college guys, but that's going to be a different type of monster going against some hungry guys that want to be on an NBA roster. And he's going to be younger than a lot of guys on the court. So, and he's going to have to out. make decisions. Like what I talked about, like they, Jalen Green played with multiple point guards on that right. roster. Not only just Dacian Nix in his own draft class, but he played next to guys like Jared Jack. And they still right. put the ball in Green's hands. They wanted him to try stuff out of pick and roll. They wanted him to make some of the simple decisions. Like, Hardy's going to have that responsibility. So, yeah, it'll yeah. be really good for him. It's going to be great because he's going to put up some numbers. Like, he's <sighs> going to score. It's oh, not, yeah. there's, there's nothing – we know he's going to score. But I think, you know, scouts, NBA personnel – evaluators they're going to want to see flashes and development and the other aspects like let's see how he is defensively let's see like you said like i don't need him to be a 10 assist a game guy but can he make the extra pass can he keep the ball moving can he make the right reads can he show progression and making advanced reads throughout the year i think that if he can showcase that and can showcase that his game's on the rise i've don't see any problem with taking him first. I mean, that's how special his shot, his shot creation. I mean, it, it's it's one of the more beautiful shots I've seen in recent, just because of the combination of quickness, accuracy, if you want to put it that way. I mean, just everything is just dead eye, same spot. So I don't think it's crazy. And yeah, we're talking right now. It's, you know, October 12th. I get that it's a little crazy to think that now I'm even personally, I've talked to you, Nate, like I like to pump the brakes. Let me get yeah. like five months into the year or something. But um, why, why couldn't he, if he comes out and all of a sudden starts the year and he's averaging 20 a game while shooting around 45% or 50%, like why couldn't he be in the first pick topic? You know, um, I don't know. I, I'm like you. I, I just, I definitely see a path 
for him to be in it because the game is progressing to offensive firepower. We all know that. I think NBA teams are always going to be in love with bigs just because there's a history of it. Everyone loves to fall for the guys that are seven foot, seven one that potentially have the shot creation ability. But if you could draft Bradley Beal, I mean, as ridiculous as pro comparisons are, if you could draft someone in that mold to, and you might have a serviceable big already on your roster, I mean, how do you pass that up? So I'm a fan, and I'm, I'm excited to watch those G League Ignite games this year. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be watching them closely. So I, I will be curious. The other dimension to his offensive game that I want to monitor closely is, is he aggressive getting to the basket trying to draw fouls? Right, right. A regular part of his game because, listen, dude, if he gets that down, I, I, I have told myself I never want to use the name James Harden for every anybody, but this kid good practice. That's this a good, kid, that's a good strategy. That th- this kid could be a possible exception if if he really starts to get some of that stuff down. If he's very comfortable. Not, not being a spectacular passer, but making a lot of the right reads, at least coming into the NBA. And then he gets a lot of that physical side down where he's being aggressive. He's, he's getting to the line. He's, he's converting from the line. Like that, When you put together all of his other craft, how he looks to score the basketball, like what he's doing on the court, his showmanship, like this is the type of James Harden type player that you don't usually see come out like, like ever. Like James Harden is a one-of-one one talent, but if there's going to be anybody – that gets close. I really think it might be this kid. I like the Bradley Beal name. I think the Bradley Beal name definitely comes into play. If he does stay more perimeter oriented, if he's not as um, prone to going and attacking the basket all the time, Beal's gotten better at drawing fouls and getting to the line a little more through as his NBA career has gone on. But he's one of those guys that kind of likes to, to shake and bake. And he likes to have the shot up before he gets to the rim or if he's going to the attack in the basket, he's making sure he's attacking at an angle where he's not necessarily looking for contact all the time, right? So that will really be the deciding factor for me between the two names. But yeah, this kid, this kid's on another level. I I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to watch Mr. Hardy. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, Nate. I, I've been doing this serious since just watching and evaluating guys probably my whole life. I don't know if I'm as excited to watch one guy as I've ever been with Hardy. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. Chet, all the big names, pretty, pretty pumped. Like I'm excited to see what they can do in the court, but Hardy just, if, if things click on the G league level, I mean, I'm going to be drunk with Jaden Hardy like vibes. I'm just so excited to see what he can do. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, here, here's the high where school I see tape is going. getting me drunk. I get it, but still. Here, here's, here's, I, I see the analytics guys falling in love with Chet Holmgren. Oh, I yeah. Think, because the the only thing that I really don't think he does up to what Mobley did last year at this point, I don't see the same ball handling from somebody like Chet. He's not somebody yeah. like, you see you see Mobley already for the Cavs in the open court handling the ball like a guard. Like, well, Chet doesn't have that in his game, but right, every right. other thing that Mobley did last year from a playmaking perspective in the half court, shooting the basketball, stretching the floor, protecting the rim, potentially being a, a versatile, switchable defender on the perimeter, holding his own on an island. Like, I could see Chet accomplishing every single one of those things and adding massive value as one of those unique unicorn type bigs that everyone just wants to go to bat for and say no 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 regardless of who 
is giving of competition. Like this is the type of guy that you don't see every day. This is right. the type of big that every single team needs to win an NBA championship nowadays. I think that's where that crowd's going to lean. But those old school basketball guys that they just look at a player and they just know like, man, go ahead, go, go side with Chet Holmgren. But we know that this is going to work because we've seen this work for years and years and years and years. And these are the types of guys that, yeah, it's important to have all your other bases covered on the court, but you also need that one guy who no matter what happens, you know that you can go to him to get a bucket. And I think that that's really a big reason why Kate Cunningham maintained his number one spot and went number one in the draft last year because he kind of proved for Oklahoma State he could be that guy. He wanted that responsibility late in games. We knew that Jalen Green was that type of guy. I think that that's why he went number two. And that's why I think that – I think Hardy goes either one or two. I, I, I think that – I really do think that Powell is going to be the guy that slips unless he does something at Duke consistently that just – blows me away maybe maybe he is that level of shot maker maybe he is like a michael porter jr light maybe we're massively underselling that part of his game but until i have that on film and i see it work to me it's it's really a race between chet and, and hardy and and i'm torn but right now i think i'm on hardy on I, th- I think you're there with me I, I i'm there and i think you're spot on i think um i think Apollo comes out and beginning of the year has a little bit of an eye opener on you know the national spotlight like if if he came out against Gonzaga and had 18 and 12 and it was a, an efficient just great game and then he just improves throughout the year maybe he enters the conversation but I do think like you you know I said before NBA teams are always going to be in love with the bigs Chet is just going to have teams drooling if he can just have a solid year, but I do think Hardy's going to be there. I think he's going to show something on the G league scale that he's going to be, like you said, I think he could be a top two pick. And I, I think whoever gets him, if say, if he goes two, I think whoever gets him a two is going to be pumped. So I, I just, I'm there. I'm with you on Hardy Island. I think a lot of people are going to be on Hardy Island in a hurry too, if he starts out on a hot note. So um, it's, it's shaping up to be as fun a class as I was hoping. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. We're not, we're not going alone. We'll, we'll put real estate on that Island if we need to. We, we, we've done a great job at hitting on who I think at this point are the consensus top mm-hmm. three guys for, for the most part. Uh, we have three more guys left that, that we're going to talk about. And I, I'm going to aptly title this podcast, the big dogs the 2022 draft right. class because i think that these pretty much are for anyone out there who's listening who might be a little upset because we're not hitting on some other top freshmen like peyton watson or jd davison like calm down slayer roll we'll, we'll, we'll get to those guys before the season starts i, I got a plan for this we we gotta ramp up slowly it, it's like what <laughs> i'm trying to do with my diet and workout program right now like i gotta <laughs> ease myself back into it before I just try and hop on the treadmill and just go full blaze, 45 minutes, no stops. Like, no, 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 there's a process to to doing this. So um, speaking of somebody who's going to have to ease himself back to the game slowly at some point is the next guy we have on our list, AJ Griffin, who Mm -hmm. if you talk to virtually anybody on draft Twitter um, before he just got injured again, like a lot of people were throwing AJ Griffin with those top three guys. It's like, why can't this guy emerge as somebody who could potentially contend for a top three pick? or maybe even possibly the number one pick. 
Um, when he's healthy, he's one of the most exciting wing prospects in the draft. Um, he's not blessed with like plus positional height at six, six, but I do believe that 222 pounds, matter of fact, you could probably tell me he's at like 230, and I might even believe you if, if that was the weight that you gave me because he, he has a powerful frame. He, if he gets a step on anybody, he's usually too powerful for the man in front of him. He's able to finish through people as much as over them, and he does have major bounce to his game. He has the speed and transition to win the open court foot race. He's an improving ball handler, improving shot maker off the bounce. Like, what doesn't this guy really have from a scoring perspective? I will want to monitor when he is healthy and when he's able to play. I want to monitor how his catch-and-shoot game looks. I want to see how he's able to space the floor when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. But when you talk about one of those guys who, at some point as an NBA team, you need a reliable guy who can just attack the rim and just, as Zach Lowe likes to say on his podcast all the time, you need one of those guys who can just cause chaos, right? Mm -hmm. And A.J. Griffin is 100% that type of guy he is a violent attacker of the rim. He can attack closeouts. Um, and, and as long as more of that shot making comes along where he can stop on a dime and he can hit more of those mid-range jumpers like he showed evidence of that he was able to do at different points through his high school career. Like, yeah, why can't this guy contend as one of the major scorers in the draft class? He, he doesn't have nearly as much craft as this guy right now, but he's coming out of high school, so how would he? But – he really reminds me of somebody like a DeMar DeRozan. Uh, DeMar is, he, he's a little bit bigger. DeMar is 6'7", as opposed to 6'6". Maybe A.J. Griffin grows another inch. Maybe he gets there. But I feel like they have similar lengths, similar physical tools. Like DeMar, he, he doesn't exactly look like the bulkiest guy in the court, but that man is strong for his position. He is a strong three. He can finish through guys. He can obviously finish above guys. He's one of those guys that loves to live in the mid range. He's not always, he hasn't always been about the three ball. He's shot the ball better from three at different points later in his career, but really he's all about attacking, putting pressure on the rim. And then when he is forced to make a decision, he can make the decision. So like if AJ Griffin, again, can, can the mid range pull up game be consistent? Can he learn how to make those easy decisions when he's forced to come to a stop? I think that's the mold for success for him. And where I think AJ Griffin can possibly be a little bit more of an impact player in that mold is I think this kid could be a monster defensively. Like he is, he is the only guy that I've seen out of the six we're talking about today who actually sits in a stance and wants to take somebody's lunch money on the perimeter one-on-one. Like this dude does not give a crap. He mm -hmm. can overpower you on the defensive end. And that could be a very enticing part about his pro potential. Like that can really make him that two way wing that shines and stands out. So Tyler, I'm assuming you're going to hit on some of the injury stuff. That's going to give everybody cause to pause, but sure hit, hit on that as well. But also talk about what you've seen from his game and why I think you, as much as any of us are excited to really watch what he can do when he's healthy. Yeah, I, you know, I always try to find a guy that's not the consensus around the public that I'm always like, okay, let me find a guy that I'm, I want to get, I want to follow him and maybe he goes up for me. Like who, who's not getting enough buzz? Yeah. And when I came across Griffin, you know, I started looking into him, started watching his game and I was like, okay, he's just a bully. And then, yeah. um, you find out that I'm a sucker for bloodlines. You know, his dad was 
Adrian Griffin. So I'm like, okay, that catches my attention. And I love everything he has. He looks like he's got the nastiness. He looks like he could be a guy that has the defensive mindset that NBA teams and NBA coaches would want. Now, obviously, the the bummer news, which is he's got a little bit of a knee injury that he's going to be out for a while. And yeah. if you go back, he missed some time in high school with some knee injuries too. So, of course, that's just going to put up a little bit of a red flag, if you want to even yeah. put it that. You just got to kind of monitor it and hopefully, you know, maybe he misses the first month and moves on and has a good rest of the season. But I like what he has on both sides of the ball. I like the mentality there's there's this is why i don't fall in love with high school tape is because when you're just a physically imposing player like you're gonna dominate people in so many aspects in high school like there's gonna be just points where you're like okay get off me i'm gonna get to the basket and you can't stop me or i'm stronger than you so i'm gonna be able to hide some of my if you want to say weaknesses or you can get by without top-notch effort sometimes and i'm not saying griffin does that but no no talk to me about the the physicality to his game a little bit because like that you're right that is something that's thrown me off from an evaluation standpoint at multiple times most specifically apart from everything that he had wrong with him off the court with josh jackson that was something that people talked about with him that they tried to tell me he relies so much on him just overpowering guys at the high school level like trust me when he gets up this is not going to translate right away. And I was like, no, 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 I think he has a little bit more craft to him. I think he can shake guys a little bit better. I don't always see him wanting to just plow ahead. And yeah, he's bigger than them and longer than them. So he's going to finish over them. But right. I was pro- I was proven wrong. Right, right, I right. should have trusted the high school tape more. So talk about that. No, I think it, it, it happens with, and I'm not saying I'm a wizard at this, but I do think when you're an elite athlete, you could fall in love with like, oh, high school, all I had to do is take one dribble in the lane and dunk on everyone. When you're, when you have the strong build, you know, you can, you can overpower people. Like Paulo, we just talked about Griffin. He's a strong 6'6", 220. He's already listed that, but he's just muscular. You can, people are going to try to attack you when you're on defense and he could just be like, you're not moving past me. Like I'm stronger than you, you know? I'm physically more mature than you are. So I think that's where I'm like, okay, I can tell he's a bully and I love it, but now I need to see you do that at the next level. And there's a couple of prospects that I'm thinking we're going to talk about soon and that are the same exact thing where they will physically overpower people at high school. Now I need to see if you can do it at the next level. And I think Griffin has the potential to, to be it. that type of defensive asset in college just because of the mentality, the tools. Now, like you said, usually he needs the, you know, we need to see some more from the offensive side of the ball, but that's with a lot of these guys right now. But from what I've seen, he's one of those guys I'm really excited. Hopefully when he gets on the court healthy, I'm excited to watch. Him. I think he's one of those guys that could creep up and Maybe we're getting a little interested about him in the top 10 as the draft gets closed like throughout the year. But I mean, what are you thinking? Do you, are you buying it? Are you a little hesitant because of the injuries or what? I mean, yeah, you have to be hesitant because of yeah. the injuries, right? Like that, that's, that's a given. But if we're strictly evaluating his game on the court, I am buying it. I, yeah. I love everything that I see from this kid. I think that if he didn't have any of the health concerns, 
him and Paolo could probably be the best pure talent tandem in all of college basketball. And I think that they could, AJ could absolutely be a top five pick in the draft. I don't mm-hmm. think he will be a top five pick in the draft. Um, but I wanted to definitely bring him up on this podcast because if, if he is healthy, if he can find some semblance of being able to string games together and, and put together enough of a resume in college, like, yeah, he has top five, top six pick talent. So like, I have to include him in this conversation, but oh yeah, definitely. It, 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 it is, a, it is a concern. It, it, you're right. I am concerned. Well, it's, it's also the thing is, you know, we're doing this in the preseason. There's always going to be guys that fall. Like we could be talking about Griffin right now as a top 10 pick and fast forward to the end of the season, we could be like, no, he might be in the 20 range. You know, it just happens. It's guys rise and fall. There's a guy probably in the twenties. That's going to end up being a top lottery. No, no, there's a a guy in like the sixties on like ESPN's freshman rankings. That's going to be like a top 15 pick. Like it happens happens every year, right? Every year. So, So, I mean, I'm excited with Griffin. I just want him to get healthy. Because I think he could be one of those guys that teams get intrigued with, with the tools, with the bloodlines. But the injuries are starting to scare. And now we need him to get healthy and stay healthy. Because if he comes back and has another one, then it's getting really scary. And we know what the medical process can do with NBA teams. You know, I mean, look at our guy Jared Butler this year. I mean, that's all you got to say. Well, teams are going to regret passing on him. But <laughs> that's he, a whole other podcast for itself. <laughs> I we could talk could. for hours about that. I, I've done I've done podcasts where it seems like I've done just one segment on Jared Butler. It's gone like forty five minutes. But I, I also I also just can't <laughs> shut up sometimes. That's just who I am. It's, it's a good problem to have, though. So we you you, you just touched on how there are some things that you want to see from AJ Griffin's offensive game come around a little bit as I think I would be in that same boat as well. This next guy though, we don't have to ask the offensive questions. This kid, Pat Baldwin Jr., is uh-huh. one of the best perimeter shot makers I think we have in this draft class. I think he is the smoothest shot maker outside of Hardy. Um, he's the smoothest shot maker with size in the entire draft class. He's an elite shooter of the basketball from all over the floor. Great release point on his shot combined with his length. It lets him shoot over virtually any matchup. This is the type of stroke, like, I wish Paolo Bencaro had Pat Bowen's shooting mechanics mm-hmm. because if he did, then I think a lot of the MPJ stuff might absolutely come more into play. And, like, I've seen MPJ's name thrown around for Pat Baldwin multiple times. The difference is, I think, a lot of the shooting stuff between the two checks out, but MPJ is just a much better creator off the bounce than I think Pat Baldwin will be. I think that's a struggle point for Pat. I don't think he had, listen, he doesn't have a bad handle. Like I've seen him do some, some little around the back dribbles and he does something fancy with the basketball. Like that's fine, but I don't see that same, like that shape to him. He's not like a wiggle type athlete of his size. He is a little bit more top heavy. So I don't see that same level of scoring potential with him, but he is going to be one of the best shooters we have in this entire draft class. I think as far as pure shooting goes, it's going to be between Hardy. It's going to be between Pat Baldwin. And then another guy we'll talk about on a later podcast, Caleb Houston. Those are probably going to be like the top three shooters in this draft class. But my questions around him, is he definitely a small forward? Is he a good enough athlete to guard and score from the perimeter? Or if he's better off as a four, 
what do you what do you like about his body? What do you dislike about his body? Is it going to fill out his frame enough to to bang down low possibly against some bigger and stronger opponents? Like that's another difference between him and Michael Porter Jr. I don't see his frame being anywhere close to the level that MPJ's was. Like MPJ came into Missouri and like he was already pretty built. Now, just a few years with the Denver Nuggets, the kid's a house. And it's a big reason why just between his size length, but also how he's been able to build out his body. That's a big reason why he's one of the better or more underrated rebounders for somebody his size on both ends of the floor. Like I don't see any of that happening for Pat Baldwin. So like positionally, Tyler, where, where do you see him right now fitting in from some of the tape that you have seen preseason? He seems like a three to me. Um, I like him a lot. And he's one of those guys that the more I watch, like, the more I want to keep watching, like I just more I'm intrigued and it's something you hinted on. The, the shot is beautiful. Yeah. The, the wiggle and the shot is beautiful. I mean, he's just got that smoothness to his game that there is a lot of Michael Porter jr. Where it's just like good high release with some good size. I think he's listed around six, nine two twenty. but I'm just intrigued with the offensive firepower he's probably going to put on display this year. Now, some people are going to knock him because he's going to go play for his dad at a smaller school, and I think he's going to Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and I'm throwing that out. I don't I don't care. I mean, go get buckets from anywhere. I don't really care if it's Duke or some smaller school. If, if you can play, you can play. So he's going to be the focal point there, probably. I mean, he's going to get tested because he's going to get all the attention. Dude. and. Do, do you think that he is going to be an exclusively on-ball type shooter and scorer at Milwaukee because that's literally the level of player he is compared to everybody else? Or do you think even they might recognize, hey, we have some – he has some movement shooter type tendencies that if you unlock some of those, at 6'9", his size, like – now we're talking about a big reason why Duncan Robinson, for example, is such a unique movement shooter in the NBA because he's 6'8 and he's long. Like now we're talking about such a unique weapon that can be deployed in so many different ways. Like it will get to a point if if he has a lot of that in him, if he's if he's more than proficient off the um like coming off screens or having him work off handoffs, like if he can do some of those things, like now we're talking about one of the most complete shooters in the entire draft class. Like I think you and I both think he can be, but do you think any of that comes to surface in college because of the type of caliber prospect he is going to the school that he is. I think it's got it. I think you, I think they're just going to feed him. And I, I think you want, like, obviously his dad's going to be the coach. So if, if, if any of us were going to say that if we were coaching our kid and we weren't going to try to feed him to put him in success, we'd all be lying. So, yeah. but I think he, if he could, showcase some versatility when it comes to shot creation where it's coming off the move like you said like a Duncan Robinson or you know even creating off the bounce or if he could showcase that then it's a whole nother monster that we're talking about you know and I think he's going to give every opportunity possibly can and they might even put him in situations where they want him to create out of a pick and roll I don't know we're going to see but I'm excited for him I think he definitely has my attention the most out of guys maybe towards the consensus lower top 10 you know I, I think he's around that 7 to 10 range and I'm really excited to watch him I just I think the wiggle and the smoothness and feel for the game that he has offensively I, I'm I'm intrigued 
and I'm excited to see. And he's going to put up big numbers. I'm not, you know, doubting that with well, he's probably going to get enough touches. Well, so this is this is the other thing that I have, and it's an important thing to know, and I want to get your take on this, Tyler. Okay. Is that, so how does the competition level and the schedule help or hurt Baldwin's case as a prospect from a narrative standpoint? So evaluators like you and I, mm-hmm. we will be able to determine what translates and what doesn't based on the film. We'll go back, we'll watch enough games, we'll pick it apart. I think you and I are trusted enough scouts to the point where we trust our eyes and our judgment. We'll figure mm-hmm. it out. However, there's the national narrative. There's the media narrative that not, I, I, I use the word could when I wrote down the question, but I should, they will steer his draft stock. If he doesn't perform oh, 100%, well in, 100%. In, one, in one or both of their high profile games. So they play at Florida and they play at Colorado. I'm not as concerned about the Florida game but Colorado has another forward prospect who very well could look at this game as a mm-hmm. showcase type game. Like if I lock up Pat Baldwin, I'm going to jump up the draft board. And mm-hmm. I was just talking about that with Dominic on Twitter today. So talk to it, talk to me about that. What's your opinion on that? I have my own vision about that. And when I watch a guy, my first, Basically, my first question I try to answer is, can the guy play basketball? Like, and I know that sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but I'm like, is it's he a, a hooper? Question. No, and I'm like, is he a hooper? If I put him around four NBA guys, is he going to make a fool of himself or is he going to help in, in any way? And I know that seems like ridiculous and sounds weird, but it's like, I solve it right away. So I'm like, okay, can I, am I going to draft this guy? And it's like, okay, yep. yes. Then you get deeper, and I feel like at the end, you start bringing in the question of, like, who is he playing against? Like, yeah, of course, if he's playing against a really notoriously strong defensive team and he goes up and puts 30, we're probably going to circle that game. Or if he has a bad shooting night against a good or a bad defensive team, probably going to circle that. But I found it's important you don't, get too high after one performance, you don't get too low after one performance. So I don't weigh it too much. I take note of it. I think he's definitely going to have playing at a lower competition. He's definitely going to put up some big numbers that probably a lot of people are going to chase stats and be like, this guy's just had 33 or whatever. But I want to see what he does to score those. Is he making efficient shots? Is he making the right reads? Is he over dribbling and forcing shots? Is he still moving the ball and and getting looks for his teammates? Like that's what I think when you're evaluating these guys is more important than the competition level. Cause like if we were obsessed with the competition level, we could go back to Damon Lillard at Weber state at the time. Like our, he was still doing unbelievable things on the court and people were like, Oh, it's at a lower level, but it's like, well, what was he doing at that lower level? Like, is that going to translate to the next level with his decision-making and the shot creation? So I think, I don't know. I think you can weigh it. I get that like NBA people and I hope media. for his sake that he nails both of those games and he knocks them out of the park. Oh, I hope he averages it, it, 22 it, a game in both of those games or something. If, I, it, if you and I have to sit here and, and, and listen to this whole, so he had this fantastic season where he put up eye popping numbers. He had one of the better PERs in the country. Like we could tell he was an efficient scorer, but Oh, that game of Florida, he only oh. shot like he only shot one of eight. Like if I have to listen to that narrative all year, like, I'm going to lose my mind. 
Like, it's going to happen, so you better prepare for it. No, I mean, no, I don't want no. the games to happen, but I'm saying people are going to point out. Like, if he doesn't have strong games in those two games, if he what, has, what like, is, a 8 for, you know, 8 for 23 game, they're going to be like, well, you know. What, what, what does Kendrick Perkins say? I'm, I, I hope he puts up, like, a 50-piece wing dinner in, in one of those games. He just shuts up all the critics, but. That would be perfect. I mean, perfect. but it's just I feel like we always find something to – nitpick with guys and they're probably going to circle those games too but because we're assholes that's our job we're not we're just saying like well i I, i'm very humble i i I own i own it when i own it but but i'm like like i said you can't you can't get too high off one game you can't get too low now if you know if we were doing that moses moody just got drafted 14th terrible tournament run but he still is looking fantastic in the preseason. Still looking like a guy that might have a solid year. I mean, we can't we can't freak out if these guys have a bad night or two. But we'll see. I have high well, hopes for well. Well, Moses Moody might be only one of might be one of the only guys on the Warriors on the wing who can actually hit an open court three. But that's that's it here or there. That might be why he gets the minutes. But you said it, not me. Even though I might believe it. <laughs> so the last guy on our list is. Mm-hmm the most interesting physical prospect I think we're going to talk about today. From a we, we saved the big one for the last, didn't we? I knew we, it. We quite literally saved the big boy for last. 6'11", mm-hmm. 250 pounds, Jalen Duran. I've already dubbed him Baby Dwight. And I know that Corey didn't love that nickname when we were talking in a group chat. But, like, uh, listen, dude, I, I, I've now seen some, some highlights where I, I literally see this kid's head above the rim. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this guy, he he is a leaper. He is one of the better leapers we have in the draft class. He's bigger and longer than Dwight was at the same age. Um, absolutely going to be a vertical spacer, pick and roll finisher, power dunker. He can finish through guys as much as above them. He's not afraid of contact or mixing it up down low. As I already outlined, impressive physical profile, arguably the most physically gifted big man in the draft class when factoring in power leaping ability and speed elite rebounder on both ends of the floor, impressive instincts, boxing out. He times his jumps well and fights on the glass, high motor, big loves to play out of the post. And he has pretty good footwork down there. Um, He can, he can finish hooks over his left shoulder has shown even a little bit of touch on like some fadeaway shots. I don't know. This is, this is really where I think the Dwight comparisons come into play because Dwight Howard was always that guy who it didn't matter. He didn't want to be that pick and roll type guy. He wanted to constantly post up no matter how bad it looked at times. He wanted to take like 15 to 17 shots out of the post. And that's what he wanted his shot diet to be. I don't know how much of that will be in Duren's game in Memphis. I don't know how often Penny's going to post him up. I have no idea. Um, I know from film that I don't think he has – I don't think he has a ton of floor spacing ability in his bag. I haven't really seen that necessarily on film. So that's definitely a question for him. Um, some of the ball handling stuff I've seen in him in the open court, can any of that translate in the half court? Really, how much of he is a traditional rim running center versus somebody who at times has showcased some like Bam Adebayo type stuff? And that was a big turn on for a lot of people who liked Anyeka Okongwu when he was coming out of the draft. 
He really seemed like a like a Bam out of bio type, this really intriguing, not like the seven foot type center, but the six ten, six eleven guy who can put the ball on the floor, can create for himself as much as he can create for others. And then along with some of that fancy stuff that he can do he also has that power to his game he's not going to be overpowered by anybody he's this vertical type big um how much versatility tyler do you think he's going to be able to showcase in his game like what what type of big man do you think he is outside of just the raw physical tool stuff you know you said the baby dwight stuff i i think i think he's closer to that than some might think I think he's going to be a little bit more of a rim runner. He's built like you would dream. If you made a center in a lab, you would make him look like Jalen Durant. I mean, it's, it's freakish. I think he was like, I think he measured like six ten with a seven, five wingspan, which is just like, excuse me. What was that a typo? But he's one of those guys. I think he's just going to be a physical freak. Now I talked about it earlier with you. I watched him in high school and I think about three minutes in, I was like, okay, he's just stronger, jumps higher and just dunks on everyone. He overpowers literally any high school. So I was like, okay, I, I get it. Let me, let me see at the college level now. Like that's pretty much all I said was, yep. okay, I get it. That, that's what you're supposed to do. Let me see you do that against college guys now. And then we can talk, but you know, the buzz, the train's starting to roll. Yeah, the buzz is building after his pro day where he he impressed a lot of scouts and his name's starting to buzz. I think he's going to be one of those guys that all of a sudden we could be like, oh man, he is the talk of the town, you know? And if he comes out and has a couple impressive games to start the year, that hype train might start rolling at full speed. So so Jordan Ennis over at the mm-hmm. Assistant Development Podcast was talking to me like a few months ago when he was like, you got to watch tape on Duran. Like you got to watch this guy. You're going to be jumping on the bandwagon with me. Like he's going to be the number one overall guy on your board. At the time I told Jordan, listen, man, I'm not ready to hop back into 2022 just yet. I'm taking a break from 2021. However, I will gladly revisit this Mm -hmm. uh, when I start doing film study. And I can see why Jordan's very high on him. You, you just you just do not see physical freaks like him who can put up such raw numbers doing such easy stuff on the court. Like, we want to talk about candidates for being double-doubles. Obviously, we had two at the top of Powell and Chet. I think if I'm betting on any one of these guys to average double-double in college, it's probably Durant. Like, oh, yeah. I, have, I have no questions about that this guy's grabbing anywhere between 10 to 12 rebounds a night. I know that he'll be scoring in double digits, how high that scoring average is. That has yet to be seen. I just, where my questions come in, like I said, is I just, I don't know of how much game he has or can be worked or developed upon outside of your more traditional five man, like rim running, just being a vertical spacer, finishing the lob. Right, right. Dunks like that. I don't, I don't know how much of that exists. I don't know if you have any input on that. No, I, 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 I meant to, I kind of got distracted by your question. I think there's a little bit of flashes of like maybe some outside, but I'll be interested to see if that actually gets unlocked. Yeah. What does Penny do with that? I mean, if I was him and I could just hit a 16 footer in the middle of a game and just make my defender think like, Oh, he could make that. Then I would just go and 
one dribble dunk on everyone. But let's see if Memphis is going to want him taking that shot. I, I just because like Cal- Calipari did none of that with Bam. We knew right. absolutely none of anything that he could do just watching college film. And I remember working with my old boss at the time, and I was working with the scouting firm that I was at the time. And like a week before the draft actually took place, he moved Bam like ten spots or something like up his personal board. And I'm like, what caused this drastic change? And he's like, Nate, I got some intel behind the scenes. Like, yeah, I, I, I know some of the stuff he was doing in workouts. He can handle the basketball. He can potentially become a mid-range killer in time. We'll see how much his shot stretches out behind the three. But at the very least, he's going to be able to space and hit shots away from the basket in some capacity. And some of the ball handling stuff I've seen and heard about, like, this guy's going to be the real deal. Like, this guy's a potential all-star. And – I don't know how much of any of that Duran has. I don't know if we'll see it in Memphis, but if this becomes another one of those things where we just start hearing stuff from workouts behind the scenes, like I could see Duran the exact same way, being one of those very late risers. Like it won't be the same shift. Like I think Bam was a guy who was talked about like late teens and he moved up to like being a lottery pick. I think Duran's already a lottery pick probably in like top six contention, but I could see some stuff coming out about him that we don't necessarily see on the film where, all right, now all of a sudden Duren's in like top two, top three pick conversation. Like why did he make like a three, four spot jump near the top? What, what, what is it that, that made that jump take place? I, I could see the same exact situation. I can see it unfolding perfectly in my head. I, I definitely like it's, it's been, been something i'm thinking about this it's funny we're doing it but like last week i started thinking about this i was like there's gonna be a path that he just starts like oh he's top five for sure and there's like that train could get out of control and i think it's if he comes and has like a streak of double doubles with showing some versatility defensively and shot blocking and overpowering like absolutely people are gonna get drunk on him and i think you know, those pro days and beginning of the year, the the practices and the workouts where scouts come to, they know what they're doing. Like they they know Duran probably showcased he's got a little bit of potential with his outside shot. And scouts are either gonna take notice of that and if he attempts some outside shots and hits a couple of them in his first couple of games, people might be going, Okay, maybe maybe this is a bam situation. Maybe this is the type of guy that has that potential but i just think if if he comes out and shows the potential to dominate both sides of the ball and be a defensive asset and ruthless on the boards yeah we 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 could be talking about Jalen Duran in a hurry um towards the top of the draft and i'm not saying number one i'm just saying the first five picks he could definitely be saying okay i belong up here you know but like I said, overpowering in high school is one thing. Like, all right, if you can go overpower in college, then you have my attention. I drove, I drove the Shangun bandwagon last year. At least I like to think I was one of the conductors on the Shangun bandwagon. And I've seen Duran do some pretty nasty stuff from a footwork perspective in the post in high school. If he whips out Shangun type stuff in the post on a consistent basis in college, that 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 is a way to win me over. I still believe in post scoring. I still believe in having a guy like that on the floor as an option to where 
if a lot of your perimeter-oriented stuff breaks down, you're not able to hit a lot of outside shots, your main shooters go cold, That that's why the Suns made it to the finals. And they had somebody like DeAndre Ayton they could just dump the ball down to. It wasn't always on like a lob or, or a dunk like that. They would feed him the ball in the post, and he'd be able to turn, and he'd be able to convert on a move like that. And funny enough, when they went away from using him as like their bailout option and they relied exclusively on taking the perimeter shots, no matter what the cost, that's really how Milwaukee got a leg up in the finals on top of everything else that they did. But that, that to me, like I still see that as major value and that is a way for, for Durant to, to win me over in that race. I will be curious to see when I do get to see him, Corey and I are going to see him in Brooklyn. Um, I, I will warn my audience right now. If I come away at any point after seeing him, and I'm immediately like, oh my God, this guy's a freak. I'm taking him number one overall. Just for forgive me when I make that like claim at some point. I'll I'll back off. I'll get a good night's sleep. Maybe I'll get like a cocktail or a drink in me somehow, and I'll I'll, I'll cool off it a little bit. But you, I, you I think won't be that, the only one. You will that not that be overreaction's coming from seeing him in, in person because yeah, I can already tell he he's he's a physical freak. But all, honestly, Tyler, all six of these guys that we've talked about today. Are, I'm excited to watch every single one of them. I think I already have your answer to this question, but I'm assuming that Hardy is the one guy out of all everyone we talked to you're most excited, most curious to see. Yeah, I, I would say just excited to watch what he can do. I think the first couple of games will be pretty telling. Um, and I'm not saying more of just like that's what he's going to be. I'm just saying if it – if the curve isn't as steep as it looks and he could kind of adjust on the fly, that's going to tell us a lot about his mentality, his upside, his potential, because he's going to be a ball handler thrown into the wolves. He's going from high school to call, I mean, to NBA level play, basically, like much like Jalen Green did. So that'll be interesting. Um, I would say Duren's quickly rising that board, though, just because of, the physical tools, what sounds like the buzz is coming from his pro day at Memphis, and he's he's definitely intriguing me. I, I will say I will not miss that first game that he steps on the floor. I will have that on, even if it's on another TV, I will have that on in the background. From, from a skeptic and from a scouting standpoint, I think that Durant definitely jumps the top of that list. I'm excited to watch Hardy, but I kind mm-hmm. of already know what Hardy is. It's right. more of will we see more evidence to back up what we think he already is? I want to see Duran. And then yeah, I want to see Ben Caro. I want to see mm-hmm. Ben Caro prove me wrong because I am a skeptic to his game. I want to see it translate. I want to see his approach. I want to see his mentality. I want to see how he fits in at Duke. And what skills does he ultimately decide to buy into that can be a lot more profitable for him in different ways in terms of efficiency at the NBA level? We, right. I, I want to see him attack the basket. I want to see him do a few more things inside. I don't want to see him dribble, 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 jump shot like 10 times a game at Duke. I just, I don't want yeah. to see it because I, I don't think it's going to be as efficient way of creating offense. So that, yeah, that those are the two guys I mainly want to see from a skeptic and scouting perspective, but that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Tyler, it was awesome to have you on my, my friend. This is, I can already tell this is going to be an exciting series every single week that we're going to be doing. I'm glad that we're doing this collaboration on multiple fronts, not just this one, but for my audience, because they're going to need to make sure they have you followed every single step of the way from here on out, since you're going to be working with me a lot more often. 
where where can my audience find you and all the work that you've been doing right now up to this point? Uh, just at social media, I'm at Backcourt V. Um, I'm sure in the future installments of uh, this segment we're going to do, me and you, I, I, I'm sure we'll have some more uh, exciting announcements to tell the listeners. But uh, for now, now, I'm just at Backcourt V, backcourtviolation.com. And um, no, I'm excited. Thanks. I, I'm really pumped to do this this year. This is going to be great. Track all the prospects throughout the year. Absolutely. And for all of my listeners out there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you're not subscribed already, you know where to find it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Definitely get subscribed. Make sure you're locked in for all the content we have coming throughout the entire 2022 NBA draft cycle. If you aren't subscribed to our YouTube channel as well, definitely subscribe over there. This is the second video podcast we've done this year. Every single podcast we do from here on out barring any technical dif- difficulties, knock on wood, right? Right, Tyler? Yeah, not, not yeah really exactly. Those, you got um, me on that. <laughs> we, we plan on doing a lot more on YouTube across multiple different platforms. So definitely stay tuned for all of the content coming. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week.